All right, I want to welcome you today to Church of the King. I want to welcome everybody who's joining us from the Orleans Justice Center, St. Tammany Parish Jail, everybody from everywhere online, and of course, everyone here at Little Creek. Can we put our hands together? Come on, welcome everyone to church today. It's good to be in God's house. As Pastor Donald said, we just wrapped up, Pastor Steve wrapped up our Hope Again series last week. We've heard incredible stories through the small groups and what went what went on during that series. Next week is gonna be amazing. We kick off a brand new series, The Lord's Prayer, uh, walking through Pastor Steve's new book, Simple Prayer. I'm excited about that. But today I'm especially excited uh, because you guys get to be teenagers again. Come on, that's been some, some of your dreams for a long time. <laughs> Other of you are like, I'm never going back there because uh, you've got teenagers. Uh, but I'm excited to share with you a message I believe God has put on my heart for today. Uh, before I get into this message, uh, I wanna share with you a story I heard pretty recently. Uh, it's about a husband and wife uh, getting up on a Sunday morning to go to church. Some of you may see yourselves in this story, but it says the wife wakes up one Sunday morning. She says, honey, get out of bed. We've church today. To which the husband replies, why do I have to go to church? It's the same thing every week. I'm exhausted, I'm tired, and the people there, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they're, they want to kill me. They're, uh, they stare at me, they're, they're blank-faced, and, and I just can't do it today. Why do I have to go to church? To which the wife responds, we've been through this before. I know you're tired, but so am I but you still have to go. At this point, the husband responds like a lot of husbands do. That doesn't answer my question. <laughs> Why? And at this point, the wife does what most women in here have to do at some point, and they just say it straight. They're like, that's it. Okay, you're going. You're going to church. You're the pastor. <laughs> you have to be there. Come on. It's bad when the pastor doesn't want to go to church. Uh, that's a funny story, but maybe today you can relate to it. What do you do when you don't want to get out of bed? What do you do when you feel low? What do you do when life brings you to a place of feeling deflated and low, and the things that you used to be able to overcome now seem like a mountain to climb? What do you do when you've lost your bounce, so to speak? Today, as I was thinking through uh, the, the message um, one of the illustrations I thought to kind of set up this message to you guys was to bring out an Irish sport. Just kidding. Uh, Irish people do not play basketball. God did not grace us with the height to do it. Everybody's six foot or under. All right. So, but I was thinking, you know, I was looking at one of these basketballs uh, this past week at youth. I was thinking about life, how when you're filled by life, when your business is firing on all cylinders when things are good at home, or at least okay at home, when your kids haven't tried to kill each other or kill you in some time, when everything seems good, not just on the surface, but below the surface, and you're filled, when life hits you and tries to bring you down, it's easy to bounce back, because you're filled, right? And so when the things of life come to press you down and bring you low, this really makes me want to kick this. I was not a basketball player, but I did play soccer. <laughs> you get low, but you bounce back because you're filled. But over the last few years, many of us have found it more difficult to stay filled. And so what we have instead is we have a scenario where everything looks similar on the outside, 
But the pressures of life and the insecurities or its rejection or comparison or a moment of loss or trauma, maybe addiction has crept in, whatever it is, these things of life come and they press you. And so when life brings you down, there's no bounce. You find yourself deflated and flat. And as I prepared for this message today, and I asked the Lord what to speak about, I believe he said that many of us, and let me say this too, being in ministry hasn't excluded you from facing the challenges of the last few years. I've had a front row seat to see our pastor walk through and lead this church through the last few years. And I don't know, could we honor him right now for the job that Pastor Steve and even Miss Jennifer and their family have done? I've learned more about leadership in the last few years than I ever have in my entire life. But everybody at some point over the last few years, maybe today you find yourself here, you're flat. And you once had your bounce, but now when life presses you and brings you down, it's hard to get your bounce back. You don't have the energy you once had. And even the smallest things that never used to be a problem now bring you to a place of feeling low. Today I want to talk to you about how do you get your bounce back? Here's the thing I've learned. Life is going to, to come with all of its challenges and all of its struggles. But Jesus has promised us a life in its fullest. And there's a tension there because the Lord has promised us a life in its fullest. But there's some days I don't feel like life is full. And so what do we do in that gap? It's key that in order to get your bounce back, we realize how do we respond when life brings us to our knees. This week as I was preparing, on Monday morning I was saying, you know, Lord, this is the week. I'm getting excited. Lord, I believe you've told me to talk about what do I do when I feel flat, I feel low. I walk outside of our house, I'm going to work, and I've got a flat tire in my car. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, could you have chosen a less expensive way to tell me it was the right thing to talk about, you know? And so... I'm like, all right, I get it. So my friend comes over, Andy comes over, we get an air compressor, we pump the tire up, and it turns out the tire had a slow leak. I I was thinking to myself, like, I didn't hit anything. I'd like to think I'm a safe driver. Maybe my wife would say otherwise, but I, I, I didn't see a nail in the tire, but it turns out there was a slow leak. Well, later that day, I get a call from my wife, Tila, and uh, my wife is a much better driver than me. I can say that in the presence of God, all right? The truth comes out. But, uh, but she calls me. She says, David, I was turning a corner, and the tire hit the curb, and now we have a flat tire. On impact, it busts the tire. And, uh, and I'm thinking, all right, Lord, I get it. It's the right message. I'm going to preach it. Just, like, give me a break here, right? Two flat tires in one day. But I'm smart enough now, and I've walked with Jesus long enough that those things, when they happen, although they may be uncomfortable, I, I turn to him and I say, okay, is there anything else you want to teach me? And, uh, and hopefully you get this today because it did cost a lot to change those tires. So, but this is what I felt the Lord said. He said, David, over the last few years and even months and even weeks and even days, my children have found themselves flat, but often, and he spoke to me too, he said, you and those around you, David, you don't know how you find yourself there. And it's usually either one of two things. It's either a slow leak or it's a moment of impact. And you might be here today and you might be feeling low, feeling low on energy. And for some of us, it's a very subtle thing because it might be just like, I just, 
I don't have the, the desire and the excitement that I used to have going to church or going to my job or coming home from work to the family and it's crazy and I used to be able to deal with that but now I need a breather and I sit in my car in my garage and I take deep breaths before I get into the house, whatever it is. But you may be there today because of either a slow leak over time or a moment of impact that you don't realize it knocked the wind out of you. And so what do we do when we find ourselves brought to our knees by life? I think it all comes down to that question. How do we respond when life brings us to our knees? How do you get your bounce back? Last week, Pastor Steve did a great job wrapping up the series, talking about who God is. God is our Father. God is our Deliverer. God is love. He will always be loved. There is nothing. Let me tell you, if you're here today, you need to know there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. God's love and His pleasure are different. God will always love you, but He's not always pleased with the choices that we make. And the parents in the house said, Amen. All right. But nothing will separate you from the love of God. God is always going to be the same yesterday, today, forever. He cannot deny himself, but we will face trials. And we will face moments where we are brought low. If there's a person in Scripture who knows what it is to battle, not just literally, but in their life, it's King David. In fact, Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, David is the epitome of mankind. Whether you're old or young or male or female, when you look at David's life, there's something about his life that you can relate to. And so today I want to look at a, at a key moment in David's life, a hinge moment. What do I mean by that? I mean that in this moment, David has an opportunity to move forward with God or go backwards and not fulfill what God has called him to. The good news is this. It says in Acts that David did fulfill the call of God I wonder if we can put that up on the screens. Acts 13, 36 says this, for after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died. I don't know about you, but that's a good thing to have said about you, that you did everything that God had planned for your life in your generation. Is anybody here today hoping that for their lives, praying that for their lives? God, whatever you want for me in this life, let it be done. And so this amazing man, David, despite the roller coaster life he lived, it really was mountains and valleys, mountains and valleys. He was able to persevere through it all and fulfill God's call. In fact, God continued to call him a man after his own heart. A wise theologian called Rocky Balboa uh, once said, I'm not going to do the accent. When Irish people do accents, it's just like a more weird Irish um, the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place and it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life, but it ain't how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Come on, how many people know Rocky stole a little scripture right there? Come on. <laughs> you gotta persevere. And so what do you do when life brings you to your knees and the enemy seeks to, to steal and to kill and destroy you? As we get to this moment in David's life at a place called Ziklag, it's important for us to know that before this challenge, before this opportunity, David had been through a lot of things, a lot of challenges, a lot of giants. Goliath was not the only giant that David faced. As a young boy, David had been rejected by his father and placed out in the field living outside of the home and looking after sheep. 
Maybe you're here today and you know what it's like to feel the sting of rejection from a, a parent or a father figure or a mother figure in your life. He was downplayed by his brothers. Maybe you're here today and you know what it is for those around you, your friends or your siblings, to not see in you what you know God has put in you. David wrestles with comparison. He's mistreated by authority. Saul, in fact, tries to kill him. You think your boss is bad. Have them throw a spear at you, right? Saul throws a spear at David. David knew what it was like to feel low and brought to his knees by authority. But he continued to move forward. He knows what it is to face fear as he stared at Goliath and nobody in the army of his people would be willing to fight him. And later in his life, he faced probably his greatest loss, which was the loss of a child, but he continued to move forward and fulfill the call God had on his life. That should encourage us today that no matter what you're going through today, there is something available to you in God that will help you to continue to move forward with life. You will not be defeated by whatever giant you're facing today if you turn to God in this moment. Amen? Come on, are you with me today? Come on. Now remember, I'm Irish. I'm not from Shawmet, right? People ask me that all the time. I'm Irish, so I like feedback. We like to talk a lot. If you've met my father in the foyer when he's visited, you won't get a word in. You will be out there and you'll be prayed over probably for 30 minutes afterwards. We like to talk, and so I want this to be not just me speaking at you today, I want us to be joining together in discussion because all of us need to be strengthened. All of us need to get our bounce back. So let's turn to this moment in 1 Samuel where David finds himself at this place, Ziklag. In this moment, David returns from battle. He's been fighting in the night. <laughs> David is uh, at this place where he goes out at night with these mighty men that he's been pouring his life into, and he's returning from battle. And as he gets back towards the place he's been staying, he realizes that the enemy has set the place on fire and has taken all of their families. So let's turn to what happens here at Ziklag. Now, it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south on Ziklag. The enemy had, had invaded, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. I want you to picture this. David is tired, is exhausted. He's coming home from work, right? And he sees on the horizon with his men flames where his home is. And he begins to fear the worst, as do the people that he's with. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, just as they feared, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices, and they wept. They wept until they had no more power to weep. I wonder if today you can remember a moment where you were in a place just like this, where the tears flowed, but they stopped not because the pain reduced, but because you had no more energy to weep. David finds himself here today. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him and killing him with stones because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. The very people now, he didn't just lose his home, he didn't just lose his family, but the people that he's poured his life into are now talking about killing him. He can't lead us anymore. Look what he's done. This is David's fault. But here's the key, Church of the King. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. But David strengthened himself 
in the Lord his God. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David took personal responsibility for his soul. The people around him weren't with him. Things looked to be at an end, but David said, I'm gonna take responsibility for my soul and in my relationship with God, I'm gonna stand on my feet and continue to move forward. Come on, isn't that good news? Come on. He strengthened himself in the Lord. At times I've wanted people around me to notice when David Anderson is flat and deflated and low, come along and put their arm around me, get an air compressor and pump me up, you know, and get me back to normal and get me back to being filled so that I can bounce back. But I find that it's often the case in life when we're at our lowest, that when we look around, it's just us and God. What do you do in those moments? And in fact, why does God allow it? Maybe God is trying to teach us something. Maybe God is growing resilience in us, perseverance in us, endurance in us for what's ahead. How do you get your bounce back? I wanna walk us through some of David's story leading to this moment at Ziklag. I wanna talk to you today about how I believe God taught David some key things in order to strengthen himself. What I love about David is he showed up to fight Goliath. He already was prepared with the stones that he needed to kill Goliath. And it only took one. It just took one of them, but he had options. I got options, all right? He has options, right? He shows up with his shepherd's bag and there's stones in them. And what I find about most often, a lot of the time really in my walk with Jesus, especially in my teenage years when I gave my life to the Lord is, I waited until I was in the battle to try to work out how to win the battle. Right, we wait till we're there. Okay, God, what do we do now? And we try to get instructions, you know? But the best thing we can do is prepare for the giant before we face the giant. David was showing up to bring lunch. He wasn't showing up to face a giant, but he was ready if there was one that came his way. And so as we look back at David's life, David would have walked along this journey and picked up these stones. I believe as he walked through life, there were things he picked up in order to strengthen himself, some key things. And so let's look at these today. Are you with me today, Church of the King? Come on. So what did David do? I'm talking today about how do I strengthen myself in God when life brings me to my knees, when I'm low and I don't have the strength to go on. And here's the thing, it doesn't have to be a moment where like this is the lowest I've been. It can be subtle moments throughout the day when you have an opportunity to live in fear throughout the day or overcome it and continue to move forward through the day. Remember, it's either a slow leak or it's a moment of impact. And the slow leak is subtle. And so it's in the day-to-day we have to strengthen ourselves in God. How do I strengthen myself day-to-day or after a moment of impact? The first thing we need to do is rely on God's Word. Rely on the Word of God. David was a shepherd boy, and as I said, he faced intense rejection, intense rejection by his own father. And there was a day that God spoke to the prophet Samuel and said, Samuel, the next king is in Jesse's house, that's David's home. Jesse was David's father. And so Samuel makes his way towards Jesse's home and Jesse lines up the sons who are still at home, these seven warriors, and David is in the field and most scholars believe David would have been able to see Samuel walk towards his home. But what I love about David is that he knew that if he humbled himself before God, that God would exalt him at the right time. And David stayed where he was placed by God. Come on, that's, that's a message for somebody. 
The world tells us that we need to promote ourselves, that we need to get ourselves out there. Maybe if we're faithful with the little, God will give us much at the right time. Come on. So David stays there. He stays there. And Samuel, you know, God does the work. I love that about God. (laughs) Samuel shows up and he's walking down the line and he's thinking in his flesh, he sees with his eyes, he says, these men, one of them are the king. They are warriors. And he says, is it this one? God says, no. Well, this guy, it has to be him. No. And he works his way through the line and he says this to Jesse in 1 Samuel. Are these all the sons you have? And I can see Jesse go, oh no. (laughs) They're still the youngest. And those of you who have a young teenager know how that feels. Uh, He's tending the sheep. And Samuel says this, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. I know God has said the next king belongs to your home. Talk about the sting of rejection. How did David sustain knowing that one of his brothers was about to be anointed king and he is out in a field with sheep knowing he was called to so much more? David writes in Psalm 27:10, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Even if my family abandon me, I know that God is holding me close. Some of you want to celebrate, you can celebrate that. That's for you today. I've read a lot about St. Patrick, right? The Irish, we like to know our heritage. Some of you in here have already told me about your Irish heritage. So go family, you know. Um, but, but I was reading about St. Patrick, and as I read through his confessio, which was his testimony, his story, it's available online, you can read it. St. Patrick actually was a real person. Patrick was, was taken from his home in England, placed in Ireland as a slave, and he was put out into the field as a shepherd, as a slave. And in that place for six years, he was there alone. And what once was what once was anger and bitterness towards God, as he was in this field and he began to talk, as he stared at the stars, he began to talk to God. He began to hear and learn the voice of God. And he began to be filled with the love of God. And God began to give him vision. And people would say, "Well, he was just losing his mind. He was out in the field for a long time alone." Well, God actually ended up speaking to him and showing him a port where there was a ship waiting for him. And Patrick walked hundreds of miles. And when he got to this place, the ship was there. God was speaking to him. This is a true story. And this voice from God began to talk to him. And it was in that place of silence. You can read it in the Confessio. St. Patrick says, I would pray all day and all night because there was nothing like talking to God. And he would talk back to me. And I believe it was similar for David. I believe that as David was in this field, rejected, laying with some sheep that were stinking and with his harp. And he was thinking, God, why am I here? He began to worship and turn to the Lord and begin to speak to God. And it was there that he learned the words that God would speak over him. He grew in this place of isolation. And maybe you're here today and you're wondering why you're alone. Maybe God is speaking to your heart and drawing you close today. Maybe God has been getting you to a place and it's not good to be alone forever. But maybe you find yourself at a place in your life where God's speaking to you and saying, I am all you need. Now let's begin to build your life back. And that's what happened with David. God began to speak to him. And later in life, he writes this in Psalm 119. I love this. He says, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. God, if I did not delight in this right here, the words that you had spoken, reading over what you had already done, I would have perished in what I was going through. 
But God, it was your word that sustained me. It was your word that got me back to my feet. I wanna ask us today at Church of the King, is this optional or is it essential? All right, it's, it's essential. It has to be. It can't just sit on the table or the bookshelf at home. You can have food in your fridge and not be being fed. You need to get the word of God into your body, into your heart, into your mind, into your spirit. David said, if it wasn't for your words, God, I wouldn't have made it. If it wasn't for the words you had spoken over me, I wouldn't have made it. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. David is saying that he depends on God's word like it's bread. And I did a sport and exercise science degree in college, and one of the things they would tell us is don't neglect the basics. They would tell us, eat your breakfast in the morning. It is the most important meal of the day. And it's funny how in Christianity, we often neglect the basics because we think they're boring or unimportant when they're fundamental, they're essential. And reading our word has to become essential. It has to be something we do. And David said, your word is a, a, a light. It's a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. How many people know the world we live in is dark getting darker? Come on, it's a dark place. We would just pray for Ukraine. There's stuff going on. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot of things every day that we face in our dark world. And the problem is many of us walk out into the dark, get bumped around and beat up by the devil, come home and say, I better read some scripture. When God is calling us to start with our lamp, switch on your lamp in the morning, get guidance from him and begin to walk through the darkness with the lamp, the word of God. Turn to the person beside you and say, switch on your lamp. Come on, switch on your lamp. You gotta, you gotta switch on that lamp in the morning, get the word of God in your spirit and begin to walk through this dark world with the word of God, relying on the word of God. When I'm at my weakest, I have to be honest, YouTube videos are funny and they're good and they're exciting, but they don't pick me up from my feet when I'm at my lowest. Self-help books only do so much. Instagram reels are funny for a moment. Facebook posts make me giggle and then it's over, right? But when I'm at my lowest, at my ziklag, those things don't lift me to my feet, it's only God. It is only God, and it's usually the Word of God. <laughs> David strengthened himself in the Lord. I'll never forget, uh, I was playing soccer in my late teens. I'd worked my whole life, trained my whole life to do this. It was my dream. I was playing in the Irish League. I gave my life to Jesus, and Jesus started to put on my heart to pursue ministry. And uh, I'm like, this is not the Lord. I haven't heard his voice yet, you know? And, uh, and so I, I ended up being obedient to God, and I did. And I went to England, and I was a part of a Christian organization for a year. I worked in neighborhoods that were deprived. I worked with uh, young people, which is amazing now, looking at the, the opportunity I get here to work with youth. In fact, I actually got the opportunity to, to work with some of their family who were in prison at the time nearby the neighborhoods. And there was a morning I was going to the prison I'll never forget, I was on the phone with my mom and she asked me, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to prison. The person beside me kind of moved away a little bit. Um, but there was this one day I was going into the prison and I was going to lead worship. And I had my guitar with me on the bus. Problem is, when I got on the bus, I realized I got the wrong bus. So I'm still going to the right place, but now I'm headed a different journey, a different road. And it takes me through a part of the city that I probably shouldn't have been in. And at this one point, this guy, now the bus is full. There's a guy beside me who's a bodybuilder. So I'm like, if anything goes down, I've got the Archangel Michael beside me here. Everything's gonna be fine, right? So, but this guy gets on the bus 
and he's about 6'5". He looks like he worked out every minute of every hour of every day. He's covered in tattoos. And for some reason, I don't know, maybe you could tell I was Irish. The moment he gets on the bus, he locks eyes with me and he begins to speak curses over me. And I'm like listening to worship. I'm like, there better be someone behind me that he knows, you know? I look around at the guy behind me. The guy behind me goes, turn right. So I'm like, all right, this one's for me. Great. And, uh, and so he walks up beside me. He starts to curse over me and speak things over me. He makes his way to the back of the bus the entire time. I'm just looking ahead, trying to work out if this is really happening. I can hear him screaming at the back of the bus and my worship is blaring in my head. And I lean forward to the woman in front of me and I take my earphones out and I say, is he talking to me? And she's like, yes, he's talking to you. Sit back, sit back. Don't draw attention to me. He then walks up right beside me. He was literally a giant. He was hanging over me. He leans across the bodybuilder who then gets up and moves seats, by the way. Thank you so much, muscle. All right, so he leans over me and he starts to speak and shout at me in my face. He starts saying things like, I'll go to prison in a second for you. And I'm like, all right. And in that moment, the greatest way for me to explain it is this. Scripture began to bubble up from within me. And I did not start to say scripture out loud because I didn't want to freak everybody else out. But within me, God's word started to bubble up and my spirit rose up. And up until this point during this internship, I was reading my Bible. And some of you maybe have been here before. I was reading my word. I was thinking, is any of this actually going in? Like, is any of this registering in my heart? And I remember about a week before this, I was reading, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. And, and all I thought, I'm telling you, it's amazing. All I thought when I read that was, well, that's pretty cool. And <laughs> I just moved on. But at this moment, when I needed it most, it was God's word that was the thing that was reliable. It wasn't these, it was God's word within me. And it began to bubble up within me and I started to speak in my spirit, smiling, looking forward. God, you have not given me a spirit of fear. I am not afraid of this man or what's possessing this man. God, I know that I'm yours. You love me and my mind is clear. And the bus driver gets all out of the, he pulls over the bus, he runs up the aisle, he grabs this guy, throws him out. And everybody looks at me and says, what did you do to him? <laughs> and I said, I don't even know him. And they said, well, how were you able to stay calm? And I said, God's word, I think. <laughs> you know? And everybody around me looked even more shocked than whenever the guy was shouting at me. <laughs> I'm telling you, Church of the King, you may not feel it in the moment, but you have to get this within your spirit. What are you speaking over your life? Is it the word or is it the world? We are placed in the world, but we're not of the world. And the only thing that stops the world getting in us is the word of God being in us. <laughs> David said, I hide your word in my heart. I hide my word in your heart. And so we need to rely on God's word. We also need to remember God's character. And there was a moment in David's life where he was, uh, he was about to fight Goliath and he tells King Saul, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna fight this dude. He's speaking against my God and my people and so now he's my problem. <laughs> and he said to Saul, I'm gonna do it. And Saul says this, it's so funny, really encouraging, thank you king. He said, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him, you're only a young man. He has been a warrior from his youth. David says this, he says, there's something you don't know, Saul. How many people know that a lot of the fighting you do doesn't have to be in front of people. A lot of the training God does in your heart for what he's gonna do in public is often in private. And David reminds Saul, you don't know this, but he says, 
Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. But the Lord, it was the Lord who rescued me. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David said, he saved me before he's gonna do it again. He was faithful before, he's gonna be faithful again. In fact, what he's saying is, you're telling me that this guy's been fighting for himself from his youth. I'm telling you, God's been fighting for me from my youth. He has sustained me. He has kept me. He is faithful. And I can see David at Ziklag in this place of loneliness. Everybody's left him. Everybody who's there is talking threats towards him. Everything's on fire. He doesn't know if his family are alive or dead. And I can see him begin to tell himself, God, you've been faithful. This is not new to you. It's new to me, but it's not new to you. You're not caught off guard, God. This is not a surprise. You are faithful and you will always be faithful. In fact, the word of God says that even when we are unfaithful, he's still faithful. That's good news because we stray and we, we, you talk about sheep, we go back and forth and we roam. And yet God has been faithful. Psalm 77 says this, your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. Though your footprints were not seen. I wanna tell you today, there are things that God has saved us from and we don't even know it yet, but it was him. There's things God has been faithful in that we're really aware of, and then there's things God has been faithful in and we don't even know it yet. I don't know if there's any country fans in here, but Garth Brooks has a song called Unanswered Prayers. The Irish people, I don't know why, we love Garth Brooks, right? And he says, in this song he says, I thank God for unanswered prayers. And he says, I'm glad that God has told me no when I've cried out in prayer, yes. Because he's faithful and he knows the right way to go. Maybe if you got that job you've been praying for, it wouldn't have been the right thing. Maybe if you ended up in that relationship you so wanted, it wouldn't have been a good relationship. Maybe if you'd have stayed with those friends that you were with, it wouldn't have turned out right for you or your family. And God, there, God is saying there are footprints in seasons of your life and you don't even know it yet, but I was even faithful then. He's faithful in the things we see and don't see. We have to remember his character. He's rescued you. Why can't he rescue the person you're praying for? He's provided yesterday, why can't he provide today? He's the healer and has been through generations. Jesus would show up and people would get healed. No special thing going on. Jesus would just be there and, and healing would come. Why not today for you being in the presence of God? Come on, are you with me, church? Can we let faith rise up in this place? He's the same. Yesterday, today, forever. We have to remember that he is our source. Everything else is a resource. He is the source. Everything else around him is a resource from him. Your car, your finances, your family, your friends, your job, all that stuff is a resource. But when you are deflated and low and you don't have the energy, you can't put expectation on those things to lift you. It is only God. And you have to rely on his word. And we have to remember who he is. And the next thing that we have to do is we have to rest in our identity. We gotta know his word, we gotta know him, but we also have to know who we are. We also have to know who we are. After David tells Saul, I'm gonna fight this giant, Saul says, okay, I got it. Let me help you. Isn't it amazing that people are always willing to tell you what to do, right? And so he puts this armor, his own armor on David, and David's this little boy like weighed down by armor. 
And so he's like, I may as well give this a go. And so he kind of starts walking around in this armor, kind of like some of you guys when you get clothes at Lakeside Shopping Mall, I don't know. And, uh, and so he tries this armor on and he says this, I can't do this. He said, I can't go in these, these aren't me. And he picks up his shepherd's staff and he picks up his stones and he said, this is me. The world will always do its best to tell us how to fight giants, but the world hasn't got it worked out. It's amazing how Saul put on David his armor that he was unwilling to put on himself. Now, some of us have seen that, right? Where people will tell us, well, you just need to go do this. You need to go to church more. Why don't you go to church? Whoa, that's personal. Whoa, don't go there, right? The world wants to put expectation on you. It wants to put insecurity on you. It wants to put its standard on you. But you have to know who you are. David said, this isn't me. This is me. And I may not be happy that I've been a shepherd boy for a long time, but I'm content because it's who God's called me to be. God's put me in this place at this time, and this is who I am. And I'm going to fight just as I am. I'm not going to pretend to be this person or this person. I'm going to be me. Come on, some of us need to celebrate that for your own soul. I'm going to be who God has called me to be in line with his word. In line with his word, I'm going to be who God has called me to be in this season. The world wants to tell us how we should respond to giants. My friend in Ireland, he's a pastor, Clive, he said this once, I never forgot it. He said that life is like a test and uh, everybody's walking around trying to copy each other. And then you get to heaven and you realize we all had different tests. <laughs> but isn't that true? I'm looking at the next person trying to be like you and it doesn't feel right. It's not meant to feel right because you're you. You've got a call, you've got a family, you've got people to reach that I can't reach. You've got a purpose on your life that I can't fulfill, it's only you. And you gotta know who you are. You have to know you're a son or a daughter. You have to know what God has called you to in this season. David says, I know who I am. He said in Psalm 139, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. David is not being arrogant, he's being confident in God. There's a difference between confidence and arrogance. Arrogance is when it's about us, confidence is when it's about him. And he said, you have made me, God, you are great. You have made me fearfully and wonderfully. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. And I can see him speaking this as he's rising up. I'm a son, God, I'm a son of you. You've called me to be king. I'm not king yet, but I stand on your promises. And he stands up to his feet. I'll never forget, as we move towards our final point today, I'll never forget I was, I'd just given up soccer, like I'd said, I went to this internship, and about a month later, I came home to watch the first game of the season, the first soccer game of the season. And I'd said yes to God with my spirit, but my flesh was still a little you know, annoyed at the fact I had to give it up. So I wore a cap and I sat at the very top of the stadium, just with my arms folded, just watching the game. <laughs> And when I'm there, these two men come and sit right in front of me, the seats just in front of me. And they begin to talk about me. I'm right there. I felt like leaning in and going, good afternoon. You know? And um, one of them says, is David Anderson not playing? The other one then says, no, 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 he, he left. Then he said, I'm watching all this unfold. Like, is this really happening? And... Uh, couldn't hide enough. And, and he says, no, no, he, he left to do some God thing. And the other guy says, what a waste. And in that moment, 
church, I had a decision to make. Do I believe the words of someone who doesn't know better, or do I believe the words of someone who knows everything? If I had listened that day, I wouldn't be here today. You have to know who you are. I got up from that seat, and as I was leaving, I was saying, God, I'm your son, and nothing happens to me outside of your care. All things may not come from your hand, but they have to go through your hand, and I'm your son, and you love me, and you're for me. I actually did a real Christian thing. I turned around and said, good to see you guys. And both of them were staring, you know. I'm like, oh, yeah, I heard. I heard everything, (laughs) you know. Um, But we need to rely on God's word. We need to remember his character. We need to rest in our identity. And finally, and this is my favorite, and David knew how to do this well, we must respond with worship. We must, when we are low and there's no more energy, some of the greatest moments that I've met with God, you should have heard me trying to sing. I actually came to Church of King as a worship leader. And for some of the moments where I'm, when I'm just tired out and I've got nothing else to give, what comes out of my mouth is not something I would happily, you know, sing it on American Idol on an edition, right? When you've got no strength to give, what comes out of your mouth, as long as it's worship, it's worship. Worship is not what flows out of your mouth. It's what flows out of your heart. It's what flows out of your life when you're low. It does not matter what it sounds like to God. We're probably all going to sound the same in heaven anyway. Come on. But, But in that moment, do you turn to worship? There's something about worship that where my problems are big and God seems small. When I worship, it flips everything around to where God is big and my problems seem small. That is what worship does. And the enemy knows what worship does because Lucifer, he was in heaven, a part of the worship team. And so if there's any, any being that knows what worship can do, it's him. And so what do you think the first thing you'll try to steal is? It's probably your song. It's probably your song. David says, in a foreign land, I didn't know what to do. I lay my harp down for a season. For some of us, we've got so low and so flat, we've let our harp down. We're in worship and we used to lift our hands and give God all of us, but now life has been tough, tough and we've let anxiety handcuff us. We've let fear handcuff us. We've let it rejection. And what I love about King David is this. David lived a life where he said, I'm not gonna point the finger at God. I'm gonna lift my hands to God because worship is the answer. We must respond with worship. In one of David's lowest moments in life, he loses his child. I don't know if there's a pain, and I've never faced this, but I've got some close, dear friends that have, and I honor them and I admire them because if you can face this and continue to walk with Jesus, it is the strength of God that's done it. And they're here today, some of them. And David faced this giant, What do I do with the loss of a child? And it says, I wonder if we can put the scripture up. Then David got up from the ground. Now this is after Ziklag. This is later in life. And I guarantee he remembered the moment of Ziklag. And it says he gets up from the ground and he washes and he puts on lotions and gets clothed. He said, I'm not staying this way. I don't feel good, but I'm not gonna stay down. And it says he went into the house of the Lord and he what? He worshiped. God, this is anything but good, but you are good. God, this is anything but comfortable, but I know in the shadow of your wing, I am safe. 
go when I worship you, it does something in me that reminds me that there's a greater day coming. That when I lost this child, God, that it's not the end, that one day I'll see them again. So I'm going to worship the one that's already there and they're there with. That is David's song in this moment. We must respond with worship, church. When you've got nothing else to give, you may be here today and be like, well, you should hear me singing. All right, let us hear you singing. It doesn't matter what you sound like. Worship is what comes out of your life and out of your heart. And I'll say this. Gratitude and anxiety cannot coexist. You're either grateful or fearful. Some of you today are fearful and you'll get grateful the moment you start to sing about how good he is. That is the key to winning. That is the key to strengthening yourself. We must respond with worship. On our worst day, we lift the cell phone, call a friend, tell them the news and say, I don't wanna pray, you pray. On David's worst day, he lifted his hands and worshiped God and said, you are all that I need. God, you are my focus. You're my strength. You're my deliverer. You're my hope in times of need. I wonder if you'll stand with me tonight as we, uh, as we close things out this morning. Stand to your feet. We're gonna end this service responding in worship. I know many of us have found ourselves there even today, flat and low. Let me tell you this. The strength that filled David was not his own because he was out of strength. It was the strength of God. David had a strength in himself and the Lord added to David and brought the presence of God and it filled his life. When we lift our hands, the presence of God comes down and fills us and gives us what we need to persevere. And I believe that today, anxiety is gonna be broken in Jesus' name. Depression is gonna lift off of people in the name of Jesus. Come on, fear is gonna go in Jesus' name. If you wanted to see what God can do, I get walking with youth is a challenge. Some of you know that, right? <laughs> Some of you call me to talk about it. But if you could see what God is doing in our youth, you would weep. We have addictions lifting off people on a Wednesday night. Generational, generational stuff. It's amazing. We had a young guy come who, who, hadn't, who hadn't ran in, in two and a half years because he had hip issues. He had multiple surgeries. He had more scheduled. And when we were praying with him, we saw Jesus touch his hips and in the physical, his hips moved. And he began to walk with me around the youth building. And then he began to run with me and sprint with me around the youth building. And then he went home and he started to run around his yard and his parents and his family who don't go to church said, okay, this is not him because it's been two and a half years. His brother would put his socks on for him. Come on. Woo! It's the strength of God. It's the strength of God. That is what is available today at Church of the King. That is what is available every day. Every day. And now his whole family have come to church and four of them have given their lives to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Come on. Today is the day to strengthen yourself. It's not an emotional moment. It's not something where we lift our hands and hope God does it. We know he does it because of who he is. 
It's in these moments where we cry and worship, and we're going to do it in a moment. And I want you to do something for me. This is what's amazing. When David rose up to his feet, the Bible says, he asked God, do I go after them? And God said, pursue them, because you will recover everything that you've lost. Come on. You will recover everything that you've lost. And David recovered it all. He recovered it all. In fact, he had more than when he lost it. And he began to share it with people. Maybe today is your day that you're feeling low, but God is going to strengthen you enough to be able to pour out on other people. And so, Lord, I pray right now in this moment, God, as we get ready to worship you, I'm not caring about the person to my right or my left. This is me and you, God. When I'm at my lowest, I turn to you. When I'm lacking strength, I go to you. You are my help, my redeemer, my hope in times of trouble. And God, I pray as we lift our voices and we close out this service, that God, you would kickstart something in our lives where we turn to you first, God. We would rely on your word. We would remember your character. We would rest in who we are as your children and we would fight with worship in Jesus' name. Come on, let's lift up our voices today. Come on. made that decision to give your life to Jesus. I just want to say congratulations. As a church, we're cheering you on. We're standing with you. And we believe that this is the best decision that you could ever make. And we don't want you to just do it alone. We want you to partner together with us as a church. We believe that God created us to not do life alone. He created us 
for relationships. So would you give us the privilege of maybe following up with you? The easiest way that you can let us know that you just made this decision is by texting the word decision to the numbers 822-822. I'd personally love to follow up with you, just hear a little bit of your story and maybe how you landed here at Church of the King and see how we can best resource you and equip you to live the victorious life that Jesus has for you. I really believe that as you take that step of stepping out and letting us know that that God's going to do so much in your life and through your life for the rest of your life. It's going to be amazing. And speaking of steps, Next Steps is happening next weekend. Step one is next Sunday. It's the first Sunday of the month, and it's really just a way for us to get to know you and for you to get to know us. So if you've never been to step one, I would love to personally meet you there. If I were to kind of sit down and think about, you know, what's our heart for you as a church? What's my heart for you as a pastor? It really is that you would take advantage of everything that God has for you, not just here at church, but just in life. Jesus said that he has come to give us life and life more abundantly. And I I really want you to walk into that fullness of life. And I really believe that step one could very well be the first step of you walking into the fullness of life that Jesus has for you. So if you haven't been to step one yet, go ahead, go to churchoftheking.com slash next steps and sign up for step one happening next weekend online at all of our physical locations. If you're doing it online, you're going to be meeting me on Zoom. I would love and I would love to have the honor to meet you there. So we'll see you at step one next weekend. And next weekend, Pastor Steve is kicking off a brand new series called The Lord's prayer. And if you're like me, maybe you feel like your prayers sometimes are just bouncing off the ceiling or that you're kind of trying to pray and you're trying to figure out what to say, but it's like you're running out of words. I don't know if you've been there before. I certainly have. And what I've learned is that as as I've stepped out and really begun to have a daily practice of prayer, it's been super life transformational. And Pastor Steve is going to be unpacking the Lord's prayer and really the model that Jesus gave us on how to have a daily thriving, life-giving prayer life that could literally change your life. It's going to be amazing. So be thinking about who can you bring to church with you next weekend, and we'll see you there. We hope you have an amazing week. We love you. We're here for you as a church, and we'll see you next week.